All right, Nate, I want to thank you first for coming on and sharing your story and how real estate has changed your life. And, you know, I guess we kind of met through the AM network and uh, your your story, I think, is one that needs to be told on how real estate has changed your life. And and maybe you give some stories about maybe some 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 wins and some losses and challenges in real estate. But overall, I think you'd agree real estate has been a good thing for you, right? It's been a great thing for me, a life-changing thing for me. So tell me your story. Tell me how you got started. Tell me what it was that made you even think about real estate. And then let's just drive and see where the conversation goes. Absolutely. So both of my parents, I grew up in Baltimore, Maryland. Both of my parents were architects. So we had some, well, I had some knowledge of of real estate um, through them. As a young kid, I would go to job sites, uh, whether it was um, a new building that my my mom or my dad was designing. So that was a segue. But really, the main thing that got me into being a landlord and, and purchasing properties was when I was 17, it was 2003 at the time, I was uh, working in in the summertime for one of my friends uh, is actually my my high school sweetheart. Her parents had a hundred houses at the time, low income houses in Baltimore City. So during the summers when we were out of school, I would go and do maintenance calls, um, everything from you know fixing toilets to uh, checking on the property and and make ready to even evictions. You know, Baltimore City is pretty rough, especially in the low income areas. And uh, so I got a taste of how some some bad experiences, in hindsight, they were good. But, you know, I had to deal with evictions. I heard I was hearing gunshots. There was, I saw actually, I witnessed, not witnessed, not like I was there, but I saw homicides and all kinds of stuff. So it was pretty intense. Um, it did open my eyes to uh, real estate in terms of being a landlord and some of the challenges, particularly in that group and that demographic. But my high school sweetheart's parents, they they had a really nice portfolio there. And I, I saw a lot of the benefits too, in terms of them being able to work for themselves and um, purchase properties. These were mainly shell properties and we would buy five at a time, say for a hundred thousand at auction, we'd put a small amount of money into them um, to make them livable, and um, then we would lease them. That's amazing opportunity. That that's a really good education, hands on to see how it's done end to end from yes purchase to to management. Very cool. Yeah. So when what was your turn? Like, because you obviously got in the game too. Yeah. So so then I I ended up I went to school at A and M as you know I studied construction science, so it was highly related to real estate as well. Mm-hmm. And it was it was in 2010 when I purchased my first property actually in Keller. I know you're you know where Keller is because yeah. that's where you're located. So uh, right off Roof Snow in North Tarrant, the economy had collapsed in in the uh, 08 financial meltdown, and I went out there and I purchased. I couldn't believe that I actually qualified for a loan because at the time. I was only making 48,000 a year, but my credit was pretty good. I wasn't in debt or anything like that. So I got, I bought that property for 150,000. Um, I know that, that area is, and it's worth way more than that now. Yeah. Now it's worth close to 400, just to give you an idea of the the time frame. So 13 years later, it's more than doubled. I still own that property today. In fact, um, that's one of the things I learned is, you know, in a good location like that, Keller, the the school district's highly desirable. And so I've kept the property. It's I've rarely ever had vacancies there. Like I said, I still own it and it's, it's performing very well. So I, that was my first 
actual purchase that I made as a young person. I was 22 at the time. And I, and I, like I said, I couldn't believe that I even qualified for the loan, but it, it worked. But you own more than one now, right? Yeah. I, I, right now I own 12 single families properties. And so actually, let me just, well, so what happened then I went to graduate school in 2012. I went to graduate school. So I only had that house. I was only living there. I, I played rugby at AM, So I was living with some buddies and that helped a lot. Like I didn't, didn't charge them much for rent, but they were my friends and we all, we were all still playing rugby at the time. And then I got, I took the GMAT, got into graduate school for, for business administration and went back down to college station. During that time, I didn't really have time to sell the property or anything like that. So I just decided to lease the property. And so uh, I put it on the market and I got six applications within the first week. And so that was my first experience in terms of leasing on my own. Of course, I was doing this stuff in Baltimore earlier on, but that was my first experience on my own where I leased the property and then I went down to school. And, you know, maybe I was a little bit nervous about leaving my property, but it, it went really well. I really didn't have too many issues while I was at school. And there was really nothing that I couldn't handle being in College Station compared to, or, and, and, you know, I, I had you know, some connections, some people that I trust in terms of like maintenance and stuff like that, little house calls, but I managed it myself. And then when I came back after graduation, I, I started buying more properties. I got a, a nice a nice job at um, Ericsson and then JP Morgan, which paid pretty well, a lot better than my first job. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I kept, and for a period of time, I still had roommates. I, I would say that's probably one of the things that helped me a lot is that I lived uh, well below my means. And then when I was buying properties, I was able to do that very effectively because the money that I was making, I was able to make the down payments. The next property I bought was in close proximity to where I worked. And so I bought a property in, in the colony, mm -hmm. which I still own today. In fact, I've held all, and I think this is one of the things that's helped me and it may be a secret to success is I, I hold my strategies buy and hold. And I, I spend a lot of time looking for properties, the right ones, um, with a certain criteria that I feel comfortable with. And I, once I find it, and I buy it, then I my plan is I hold it. And so I I bought a house in the colony, and then there was within a few months I bought another house right down the street in the colony, and then I leased that one. And then at that point I had a little bit of equity built up. I refinanced those three properties, and then pulled some equity out, and then purchased. I guess the next one I bought was Eulis. I bought one in Eulis, which is a, a highly sought oh, after yeah. area as well. Um, that property, uh, again, I still own that one. That that one's highly desirable right off of, uh, right off the highway, which I mean, they say location, anybody that's listening that is interested in real estate, what they say is true. Location means a lot. It's like one of the only things that you can't really change mm -hmm. about a property. You can, you can change the paint, the appliances, all kinds of stuff, um, but you can't change the location of the house. So I would definitely, and I do pay a lot of attention to the location in my strategy has been to let the equity build up, then refinance it, pull that equity down, then use that. And, and keep in mind, it, this doesn't work if you spend a lot of money on like 
cars and all this yeah. fancy stuff, right? But at the time, I was still very frugal, living below my means. I'd refinance it, pull it down, and and I'm sure we can talk more about like the portfolio loan, which you helped me mm-hmm. get. That was last year, but individually, I would refinance each one of these properties, pull that equity down, and then use that for a down payment on the next property. And yeah, you're on snowballing it. it. And I think no me, and I, it's not a good or bad business plan to like just pay it all off and then live with a, a paid off house, but you're giving up so much opportunity to buy the second, third, fourth, fifth house off of that one house. Correct. And I, you know, I, and, and I wouldn't advise this to everybody, but if you understand how to use debt, of course, they talk a lot about that in business school. So mm-hmm. I understand it probably better than most, but you know, you're using leverage, you're using the bank's money. Um, and that can have some drawbacks, but yeah, a, a paid off house to me, that's not something that I aspire to um, because I want to use that money to increase my portfolio. Right. You talked about portfolio loan versus individual loans. Can you explain that? How, how What was the benefit of that yeah. or how'd that work for you? Yeah, absolutely. So that was actually a connection that um, you helped me with uh, through Bank OZK, but I had these, these 12 houses and they were scattered throughout DFW and they all had different lenders. So we had Bank of America, uh, Wells Fargo, uh, Fifth Thirds, um, you know, all these different banks um, that I used. I think there was a half a dozen banks. Some of them I had a couple properties under the same bank, but they were all scattered. And then, you know, I would have to log into different portals to pay and things of that nature. So what we did was um, we took all those properties and wrapped them into one loan. And that's what last year I I closed that loan. And now they're all under Bank OZK and the refinance. It was perfect timing. And again, it it wasn't really planned that way, but it was before all the interest rates went up and everything. So the underwriting process was pretty substantial because we had to get appraisals on each house. And uh, then we paid off the existing loans on all those individual banks. And then now I've got a consolidated relationship just with OZK. Um, I, I was able to get a nice chunk of equity. And that actually, when I, when I got that equity, I actually last year ventured into multifamily as well uh, mm-hmm. with Tupac and Carlos, who I've known for a long time. And we took, and I took that money. I'm, I'm a, a small partner. Mm-hmm. I mean, st- these, these deals have 20, 30 investors in them, but I was able to take that money and put those into one property, which was, it's a Hearst property, a 214 unit class C multifamily in Hearst. That was 29 million. And then we purchased a $17 million property in uh, Temple. So I, I got now into more, you know, broad multifamily, which to me, it's a newer experience. Um, but I'm very optimistic about class C multifamily because a lot of people are moving here and there, and it's also somewhat counter cyclical businesses. And just to give an idea, it's like, it's kind of like the reason that Walmart does well when the economy does bad poorly, because, because the, there's more demand for lower income housing when the economy starts suffering. Right. Yeah. Somebody that lives in a B property can, they can move down to a C and still feel comfortable and feel like they're in a safe area. But somebody lives mm-hmm. in a C is not going to go down to a D war zone property. So what happens you end right. up with that number of C properties doesn't change 
but the number of demand just swells. So don't be surprised if your your rental rates go up significantly during a down market. I've seen that from from the past down cycles. I agree a hundred percent. And one of the things about a uh, temple property, the the class C and temple is our our pro forma. We we budgeted one oh nine uh, per square foot, and now we're leasing it for one thirty. Wow. So it's that's it's so huge. The, yeah. So the the one the um, pro forma there is it's outperforming what we expected. So that was a huge win. And, and we haven't sold the property yet, but we we plan to once we get to the kind of equity multiples that we're looking for. You've gone a, a long ways in a relatively short period of time. What would I'm just curious, what do you think relationship like everybody you talk about lo- location as a house is important. Yeah. Financing is important. What about relationships? Like it sounds like the the commercial banker. I know the guy Cody. I mean, amazing yeah, guy. Yeah. I played golf with him last week, and I can tell you, my my real estate investing's taken off at the same rate as my network has taken off. Like you know, oh, yeah. more, the guys I talk to, guys like you, or I talk to Cody and build a relationship with a bank. All of a sudden, my real estate investing's done better in proportion to my relationships. Would you think the same thing, or you go solo and not network? No. You're- Absolutely. And, and you know, this, like I, I found you, like I've reached out to you and primarily through the Aggie network, but I saw what you were doing and you gave and helped me get that relationship with Cody. It's been a game changer Good because, because now, and Oh, I, I left out one thing too. I, when I did that refinance, I also with Sandy purchased a, a six acre piece of property on the on uh, Lake Levon in Farmersville, mm-hmm. um, which is more of like a speculative asset it's because safe speculative investment, I think. Very safe because they're also a big developer called Greenbrick is building 1,800 units uh, within a mile and a half from that location. So we and we saw that and we purchased it very advantageously. It was a divorcee that was just trying to get out of town because. Mm-hmm her relate. And that's, that's another thing I would say is like, look for opportunities like that, where people have an incentive or are very motivated to sell. Um, but to your question about relationships, I mean, it was a game changer when I met you, when I met, uh, Cody, uh, my two business partners, Sandeep and Carlos, because then you're, then you're using your relationships like Cody and, and, and I would say you, you, the best, the relationships you need are banker. You need good contractors. I've got contractors that I've got 12 year relationships with now. They know that they're not going to make a pile of money on each individual job, but over a period of years, you know, they've been very, very good partners to mm-hmm. me. I got named Roberto particularly. And he does a lot of stuff like paint and make ready type stuff. And then the other relationship that I that I need to mention is my sister because my city and she's overseas right now. She's uh, she's in Panama with her husband, but she was a big part of the reason that I was had been successful because she's been able to help me purchase the properties mm-hmm. and she does all the leases and things of that nature. And so you trust like, her. yeah, and I can trust her. You know, we've we've had ups and downs as well as everybody does, and I've I've actually used some other realtors when either when she was out of town. Like one name that comes up, and I'll I'll mention her mm-hmm. is a uh, um somebody that I worked with early on named Carla. Wait, she's really good. Also an Aggie, and she's got a construction background, but she really is good at finding the properties that, and we look for a return on investment. We're not, 
buying like huge houses that have a ton of maintenance. We're looking for primarily three twos that are in high, highly desirable areas that are in good shape. And, you know, there's, there's things. And as I become more educated, cap rates important, but like, if you, if you buy a big property, your, your cap rate's just going to be smaller because yeah. the amount of rent relative to the value of the property is going to be too low. Mm-hmm. So we, we try to stay, we want our cap rates to be well as high as possible, but you know, in the six to sevens mm-hmm. and, and upwards. So I would say you got you need realtors, you need contractors, and you need lenders. Mm-hmm. And then you need and then you need mentors too. Like you've given me a lot of guidance, um, even with this eviction that I'm that I faced. Um, yeah. So you, you tell us about that. I know that you know every, everything's rosy when you hear about people talk about real estate. Like, oh, I'm on YouTube, and I'm driving a Lamborghini, and everything's great. Well, that's not the true life of a real estate investor. So tell us some of the downsides that you've experienced. I know this one hits home because I called you a couple months ago, just asking your advice on it. And that's again, why it, it helps to have uh, mentors and people that are in the industry. And I haven't faced any evictions like, like what we had in the low income stuff in, uh, in Baltimore, but I recently have, have an eviction. Actually, I got to go check on the house actually right now because it's gone through court and everything like that. But I had a, a a rash of vacancies. So I had four vacancies at one time. And so I was a little bit over, and this is just a personal learning from going through this experience, but I was a little bit anxious to get these houses occupied. Mm-hmm. And so the, the three of them worked out fine, pay on time, good, good credit, all that fun stuff, good income verification and things of that nature. There was one uh, tenant that I leased to, and I kind of, I knew they had red flags on them and they, they, I I did do some due diligence in terms of like talking to their boss about their income and stuff like that. But they, their credit was eh, not great in hindsight, but I just moved forward with it. They were convincing enough and I, I, I let them stay at the property and then the check stopped coming in. And so I was like, oh, well, and again, in, in the kind of portfolio I have, that's pretty rare for me. So I, I called you and I, I, I asked, you know, what should I do with this eviction? I took your advice and, and just hired a company because there's a, a legal way that you have to go about it. Mm-hmm. You have to do a notice and then you have to go to court and you have to show a ledger that shows all the income and what, what the tenant was supposed to pay versus what they actually paid. And I, I didn't want to, I ended you know up some- things to do with your time. Like it's just not yeah. your time. Yeah. Some people, some people will do that on their own. I just paid somebody. It was, it wasn't cheap, but they took care of all the the court and presenting it to the judge. And actually it just went through. So I got to go check on the house and, and lease it. But I mean, that was definitely a hit. That was a loss and something that, you know, when you lose money, it hits you harder than when you gain money, right? Like losses yeah. lose. You're going to rent it for more than what you've probably rented it to them for. Yes. Yep. So since that time, I was actually just looking at comps. I mean, it, the the comps are up around four hundred dollars a month extra since wow. since at least it forty eight hundred dollars a year. Yeah. Yep. And and so I did lose. I would say, let's see, probably about it's probably a ten thousand dollar hit overall. Well, because because uh, not only the loss in income, but then also 
I had just painted that house. I spent a lot of time on it to make it really nice. And then also now I'm going to have to lease it. And of, of course, I'm going to be much more careful this time. But yeah, there has been rent inflation, which is definitely good for landlords. Um, maybe not so much for tenants, you know, in this inflationary economy. So there, there will be a little bit of a benefit there, but it just the sting of losing that money and also just the hassle of having to deal with all, all that was definitely something that I'll never forget and something that I'm going to avoid like yeah. the plague. I, one thing I tell people that are clients of mine, property management company is 80% of your problems can be completely eliminated by just not letting in the wrong people. Correct. And so we take our scrutinization to the next level. Like I've got software that goes into their bank accounts. Like they can't fake pay stub with me. Like we actually use software to go into their bank account and verify a source of incomes. Like that money came, oh yeah, you got paid by XYZ employer. Like you see the direct deposit in their bank account or we can go to their ADP payroll, we go to their paychecks payroll, whatever. So we actually know legitimate money for real hit their bank account. And yes. that that's where there's so much fraud out there on applications that you have to go to the single source of information to make sure that it's actually legitimate money that they're talking about. Because the stat is 18% of applications are fraudulent, 18%. Yeah. Now, 70, 70 plus percent of people lie somewhere on it, like little stuff, like, yeah, my mom's my reference or whatever, but 18% mm-hmm. are flat out fraud, fraud, like straight up. And, you know, lesson learned there, they, there were red flags there. I, I'm not sure if there was fraud on that one because their, their income did check out and mm-hmm. I would just say, do your homework on them. But, you know, spend a lot of time. The best thing that I have used that's been tried and true is credit score because mm-hmm. It's not, you know, people that have seven plus or whatever credit scores, they're usually the types of people that are, that pay their bills on time mm-hmm. and that take pride in, in making sure that they live up to their commitments. Yeah. There, there is a big correlation on mortgage default rates based off a of credit score. And it's significant. I was really shocked when I, was, I, I don't have it here, but the, the default rate, it drops significantly when you get to like over 700, even over six. I think it's 620, 640, where you really see the difference. And then it drops to like 40% default rate when you really start getting down a little, not not crazy low, but like lower, really shocking. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, talking about real estate and, you know, because I'd love to talk to you forever and I know you've got things to do because you're a busy guy. Would you, what way would you say real estate's changed your life? Like, has it lowered your stress level, increased your stress level? Has it said, hey, I got to go float the river more often than the next guy that has a, a like not owning real estate? What's the change has been in your life, you think? Yeah, no, it's it's definitely taken stress. I would say at first, it maybe was a little bit stressful, but that was early on when I was maybe with you know limited income and then only a couple properties. But now that I have a portfolio where I can diversify some of that risk, it's it's been a huge benefit to me because the and and I guess one thing that I was surprised by was during the pandemic when like when it started hitting, I was thinking to myself, like my portfolio is going to tank mm-hmm. and, and all this stuff. And it was actually the complete opposite. Yeah. Wow. The, yeah. The portfolio. And you know, this like, cause you, you own a, a portfolio is, you know, there was what 25% increase in 2021 mm-hmm. on, on asset value. So yeah. when you're, when, when you're holding, you know, a, a four, you know, three, $4 million 
portfolio and it goes up, you know, 10%, you're talking about, you know, a big chunk of equity. And of course, it's paper equity, but it's equity nonetheless that you can Mm -hmm. borrow against. So I would say my um, stress level has gone way down. It's given me a, a lot more flexibility in terms of my career because I'm not really tied to a job that I hate or that I don't enjoy doing. Um, mm-hmm. So like right now I'm working for one of my friends in a, a construction company, which is, that's my background, but I'm not like, you know, handcuffed. I don't have golden handcuffs like with the bank or, or like JP Morgan, my previous employer or anything like that, because that portfolio is sustainable and mm-hmm. it's also increasing in value as an appreciating asset. And so it's given me a lot of flexibility and it's also just given me a lot of security in terms of, you know, of course there could be a big economic downturn, right? But for the most part, and my portfolio is here in, in Dallas Fort Worth. So um, it's a good market, regardless of what happens on a macroeconomic basis in the US. People are still moving. The statistics I look at, like there's around 300 people that move to Dallas Fort Worth and um, per day, per day, yeah, 300. It's wild. People. Per day. So you can imagine people that are coming into Dallas, Fort Worth, they need a place to live. And even in this recent economy where interest rates have gone up, and I know like mortgage originations are down to 28 year low right now, but all that's done is it's slowed down construction and housing growth. And it's kept the prices elevated still. I mean, I saw saw a small downtick over the last, I would say, towards the end of last year. There was a little bit of a downtick with all the, but now I can see that the prices are starting to tick back up. And I think that's a, a combination of things. It's the fact that there is just so much more money into the system and the prices may, maybe haven't gone up, but the, that as much as the value of the dollar has gone down because of the inflation, which is keeping the prices elevated and the slow, slow, slowing of growth. But getting back to how it's changed my life, you know, I, I enjoy it, first of all. And then also it's it's kind of like a, a little bit of security knowing that despite these downturns, my, my portfolio is still going to perform. Absolutely right. I, talking about that slow down tick, it's interesting because we noticed that in the property management business, I think it was from October to January, it just slowed down. Like we, our houses that were renting like super fast, just they were on the market a little bit longer than they had been in a while. So I went back to our, our historical data because I can pull the reports like basically last year toward the end of the year, it, it was going back to normal. And so when we think it's bad, like, no, 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 that was what it normal normally happened that time of the year three or four years ago. So yeah, between you know October, November, December, January, people weren't moving. So things sat on the market a little bit longer, maybe reduced the rent just a little bit, but we hadn't experienced that in uh, several years. So everybody's like, oh, it's horrible. No, no, it was, it, I looked at it, it's statistically mm-hmm. the same as far as like the minor dip in days on market for rentals and, and maybe how much you reduced rent just to, for the seasonality reasons. Right. And and to, one one thing I'll point out that I think would be helpful for viewers is when I did that portfolio loan and I sat down originally and uh, with Cody uh, Montana and we looked at the, the, the numbers and the rents and he was like, Ned, you've got to get these rents up to. And, and so there was a, just a, such a massive rent inflation to mm-hmm. your point. It, it was 
over that period of time, rents climbed substantially and, and uh, they've, they slowed down a little bit, but now I can see they're inching back up again. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, if you can ride out those like little slow periods, you're, you know, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna be fine. I will say also on that portfolio loan, before I forget people that are li- listening, you know, the bank is going to care about your debt coverage ratio is going to be a big, uh, big thing. I would also say, uh, debt coverage ratio and your, your gross revenue, but they really care about debt coverage ratio in oh, yeah, terms of, absolutely. yeah. So net operating income divided by the total debt service. Um, and they want to see it's a sliding scale. So the more income and the more net operating income that you have, as opposed to the debt that you have to service, the bank is going to be more willing to lend you more money and people will, and then you'll see like you, if you put 20% down or they might ask for 35% down, if you don't have a, a good debt coverage ratio, yeah, I so just push wanted- those rents. So push those rents up and then that'll yes. also help you weather maintenance expenses too. A lot of people will say, right. Oh, well, I'm, I keep the rents low because they're nice tenants. You're doing them a favor, right? But you're doing yourself a disfavor. And I think you probably saw that in your portfolio. It's like, man, I was leaving a lot of money on the table. Yeah. And so that, you know, and as, as I've gone on this journey, like I've, I've learned more, like, and, and sometimes you learn those lessons. Like I've learned way more from actually getting my hands dirty and actually just having the the guts to get in there and mm-hmm. and do the stuff. I mean, of course I've read a lot of books and, you know, talking to people like you that are well-versed and experienced and going online and seeing what's worked for people, but I would say the the best thing that people can do is jump in. And yeah, I wouldn't jump in blindly. You can I've seen people get hurt really badly by making bad real estate deals. I'm sure you have too. Oh yeah, I have but the um, thing is, is you, you partner up with people that know, and I don't say partner doesn't mean equity partner, like just let them walk you through the process. Like certain lenders, they're not going to make a bad loan. So even if you no. have cash in the bank, sometimes it is valuable to borrow the money because they're not going to tell you, they're not going to let you make a mistake because they don't want to take back the loan. So exactly. there's some value because sometimes people get really cocky when they get a big wad of money in their back pocket. And they're like, I'm going to go buy something. Well, now you had a lot of problems that you didn't know about because you didn't do all the due diligence. So yeah, I appreciate that. And Nate, I really want, I, I know we've kind of gone over time, but I really want to tell you, I appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. There's a lot of people that are afraid to tell their story uh, for whatever reason. I think it's very good for people to get out and let people know it's available and what's out there. Absolutely. No, it's, it's been a pleasure to be on here. I want to say thank you to you for hosting and also just for the help all through these, through these years and helping me get to the next level. And fun. You know, I'm still, you know, I'm still I, what I consider. I'm, I mean, I'm getting older, but I'm still pretty young and I've got ambitions to grow a lot more. So <clears throat> I feel like, you know, you'll be seeing a, a lot more acquisitions that I'm going to have here pretty soon that I can share. And I do like sharing these stories because there's people like you and people like the Robertas, the people that I work for in Baltimore, they shared a lot of things with me and I, I wouldn't be successful and I wouldn't have been able to accomplish all this on my own. So I'm I'm more than happy to uh, help people. And if somebody, I don't, I don't know if you're going to provide my contact, but I'd be glad to talk to anybody and help them in the same way that these other folks like you have helped me. Great. Yeah. We, I'd appreciate that. So with that said, again, Nate, thank you. And uh, I think we're going to see some big things come from me. I, I'm really excited about your apartment complexes. I want to see how that, oh, how that yeah. comes to fruition because I think those are two stellar locations. Like those, I know everybody listening doesn't understand Ulysses or Temple, but you're going to hear Temple a lot in the future, I think. 
Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm really excited about that one. We're expecting about a 3x equity multiple on that one, which is like it's very that's very high. And and again, it's it's a it's a property that we did some value add to. I'm really excited about that one. And we're gonna be doing a couple more deals here pretty quickly. We're we're gonna sell those properties and then go into the next ones. Man, that's gonna be a fun story. So, yeah. All right. Thank you, man. Have a good one. All right, you too. Thank you. Bye.